welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. You want to come up? We're going to pray over her and her husband, Mitchell. Hey, safety of the kids is really, really important, so we made sure the kids' director's husband had the biggest biceps in the building. So uh, he's a professional CrossFitter as well, former uh, armed forces. So everybody's kid is very safe. Look, Brett's walking here too. Look at this timing. Perfect timing. We believe in working out here at Cedar House. I haven't been getting that memo, but uh, I'm joking. Awesome. Oh, we're going to pray over these guys. Uh, in all honesty, safety of the kids is very vital for us. And um, like we said, we just want to open dialogue with them. And before I do this, this is only as good as a volunteer basis. So please volunteer. We never have enough volunteers. We can always have more people rotating in and out um, as the youth group continues to expand. So if you have a heart for that or if you just are a decent human being and you're a Christian and believe in serving, um, please get... Uh, with her and she'll she'll take care of that so cool would you guys just stretch your hands out to him we're just going to pray over him so we just thank you so much uh, for the gift of this family uh, to cedar house just thank you so much that you brought him into our life just couldn't be more thankful for that day at the crochets for the baptism when everything shifted so we just acknowledge you god is um doing this and we just agree with your will i speak protection over their marriage as they move forward into ministry um pray that you bring them resources and help we just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Yes, absolutely. Hey, speaking of uh, babies, the Trependals just had a baby at perfect timing. Look, Megan's back one week old. Make, do I need to step forward or back? Are we good? Stay behind the podium. Having a little feedback issue. Look, baby on timing. What's the baby's name? Oh, Ann Cora. Stretch your hands out towards Ann Cora. We just want to bless this child. So God, we just thank you for a successful birth. We thank you for this family. God, we just, um, yeah, we just speak alignment for all the desires that you have for this child. And we, um, as a community, just say yes to what you're doing. Protection, favor, and longevity over this baby. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you like prophetic ministry? It's fun. Okay, you got to have to listen to me talk for about 25 minutes, and then we'll get into prophetic ministry. Um, some of the girls went to Reading for a um, conference this week, which was really cool, and they're going to come up and do some ministry stuff, which I'm really excited about. Um, but do have something on my heart that I want to share. First off, my name is Landon Snow. If I don't know you, I'm really excited that you want to be at Cedar House today. We really believe in just pursuing Jesus um, with passion and um, having mind, will, and emotional health in that journey. And so we're, we're a growing church, super excited to be in Baton Rouge, um, and, and just thanks for wanting to be a part of it. So thanks for spending your Sunday morning here. Um, but as we continue to grow and as we continue to expand, there are a couple just kind of tent pegs, if you will, that I just feel are really, really important for specifically our community, um, but also just to have revival, which is why we are in Baton Rouge doing this. If you don't know this, uh, Stacy and I are in Baton Rouge for this one thing. Uh, we want to see heaven on earth um, in every church in the city, and we're just one of those churches that's doing that. And so really, really excited about that. But there are things that specifically God has given us as a community that we feel like we just need to make sure that we're always keeping at the forefront of our thought. 
And uh, today is one of those. Also, just as one of the King's kids, I think learning what we're going to just talk about today, just to refresh, will be really good. If you've been a part of the church for a while, this is somewhat of a repeat, but this is one of those ones that always needs to be repeated. So just imagine if, <clears throat> if God approached us and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something where if you steward it well, it'll determine whether you have good fruit or bad fruit. If you steward it well and you manage this well, it'll determine whether you have life or death positivity or negativity and God has done that and I'm using it right now we all have one and it's our tongue God has given us this thing called a tongue what the Bible tells us that the power of life and death is in our tongue and it's really really important that we understand as his children how important this is that we learn how to tame our tongue so we're going to talk about taming our tongue we are sons and daughters of God, and our Father, when he spoke, um, were, his words turn into worlds. He creates reality when he speaks, and it's no different for us. Every time we communicate, we are creating reality in everything that we do. And so making sure that we're not just careless with our words is, is really, really important. When we take a look at this verse, it's Proverbs 18, verse 20 through 21. So from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. Just stop right there. The fruit that comes from your mouth, you're going to be satisfied by. I love that. The nutrients in your life for your soul are going to come with things coming out of your mouth. A man is satisfied by the yield of his lips. I love that so much. The first part is a yield. So in finance, if you, a yield is like a return on your money. So when you, in, when you invest, you get a yield back on your money. So when you're sowing seed, when you're communicating things with your tongue, it's really important that you understand the yield that you're getting. And I like that, but I really like this one too. The other portion of that yield statement to me, which is really cool, is literally like you're yielding. Like you're driving in a car and you're yielding to someone coming. And so Jesus had this relationship with the Father that he was always yielded to him. And Jesus wasn't going around crazy just doing miracles. He really wasn't. He was in, always in line with what the Holy Spirit was saying because he was in touch with the Father. And so Jesus is always walking around being yielded. Like, is this what we're doing? Okay, move here, move here. This is what we're doing. We're yielding everything. So you can think about it with your tongue. It's like every time you move here, I'm yielding to, the, to God. I'm yielding to Holy Spirit to see, is this what I'm supposed to be communicating? And then here we go. This, is a, this should be a life first for everyone. So death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. It's amazing. The, the death, negativity, destruction, all of these things of the enemy, or the positivity, the hope, the joy, the life, all the gifts and fruits of the Spirit are literally determined, I want you to try to take this literally, by what we're speaking. The older I get, the more I actually think that's true. As we communicate things, we're creating it, and we get to enjoy its fruit. So if you're not enjoying the fruit of your life, talk differently. This isn't, I, um, I'm not uh, into, gosh, I'm losing the, it's, you know, like think it and it happens, God's a slot machine. That's not what I'm talking about, but he's empowered us to be people who with our words really matter and it returns into our life. So now that you're all scared to talk, I'm just going to drive it home just a little bit more. Um, let's check out Matthew verse 12, 33 through 37. Okay. Let's say this one thing first. God is a good, loving father. If you read scripture, 
through the lens of God is a judge cop in the sky and he's trying to get you, you're going to read scripture completely through a lens that Jesus didn't model. Jesus came and demonstrated and modeled for us the heart of a father. So when Jesus is talking to us, he's talking to us from the lens of a father. This is really, really key when you're reading scripture. If you're reading scripture and you think you're in trouble because you're reading something, I'm all about the fear of God. But when you learn him as a father, everything changes. And so think of how Jesus is saying this to us when he, when he says that this is out of the mouth of Jesus. It's the best information you could possibly get. So he says this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Just think about this for a second. We're, we're all in process of having our minds renewed. When you get saved, I don't believe your mind's just immediately renewed. You are a new creation. That doesn't mean, how many of you got saved and you still had problems? How many of you got saved and you still thought thoughts? You're like, gosh, I can't believe that's in my mind. I'm a terrible human being. That's a process of walking out your salvation. That's a process of having your mind renewed. So one way to, so a man think as so a man is. So when you think something, it comes out in word. So listen, when in doubt, stop talking. Just, there's, there's wisdom in small amount of words. Okay, y'all are all really scared. It's only going to get worse. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of evil treasure Oh no, we good? Oh, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Is that it? Yeah. So, listen. We are going to give an account one day for every careless word. Another word for this is aimless. Now, now listen. My children, I have four kids, they need accountability. They need a deadline. They need to know that there's consequences when they do stupid things. This is what he's saying. When you think about the judgment day and it draws you away from God, that's not what he's saying. The fear of God actually draws you to him, not from him. And so what God's doing here is inviting us and empowering us to understand how important this is. But there is coming a day where you'll stand before God in accordance to the scripture, which is supreme truth. I'm going to have to talk to him about all the things that came out of my mouth. Now, you can be scared right now, or you can think, man, God has really empowered us. See, for me, this is God setting me up for success. Thank God for the Bible. Now that I know this, I can just speak life and not death. He's, he's so empowering. He gave us all power and all authority. He's not 50% all power and all authority to have rule and reign and dominion on this planet. And how we communicate matters. And one day we're going to get before him and we're going to have to talk to him about it. Now, I, there's so much grace for this moment, guys. Y'all know my heart for grace. I'm, again, I'm, y'all are all frightened right now. That's not what I'm doing. But I am trying to empower you to understand how powerful that your tongue is. Amen? Okay, the people who really have to be careful for this, people like me, are verbal processors. How many of you are verbal processors? <clears throat> I, uh, I've learned a lot over the past 15 years of what to process about and what not and, and what to process about. I have employees in the different organizations that I'm with and uh, if I don't say, hey, I'm just verbally processing, I will wreck their whole week. They're like, okay, they just take all these tasks and they go in. I'm like, what are y'all doing? They're like, this is what you said. I'm like, no, I was just verbally processing. And so now it's important, honestly, if you're a verbal processor to get around people and I say this, hey, I'm just verbally processing right now. 
don't, no task. This is not true. This isn't coming from some authority. I'm just talking. <clears throat> Find people in your life or just start saying that. You create a lot less messes. I do believe in verbal processing, but if you are a verbal processor, it doesn't mean you can just say whatever you want. On judgment day, you're still gonna have the same conversation as the introvert. God bless introverts. Um, my wife is not a verbal processor, and when I, the older I've gotten, the less I verbal process because I've learned how tact, and I've learned that it doesn't help everybody, and I've learned that it creates a lot of messes, but early on in marriage, she'd just be like, you know, you just talked for two hours. I'm like, what? I'm like, how about this paint? Look at the black paint up there. Oh, we should have spray painted it. Look at the light. Like, I'm just, just talking, 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 talking all the time. And I've learned not to do that. Um, but, but it is funny that, that every, as I'm renewing my mind, I talk less. Solomon talks about this a lot, the wisest man ever, that there's wisdom in few words. And so I'm learning that. We're on this process together. If you need to spew out something, that's totally fine. Just tell someone that you're verbal processing. But, but you are going to, I'm, I'm kind of kidding with all that, but just think like the things that you carelessly or aimlessly say, you're gonna have a conversation. Now, in my opinion, so things in the spirit speak louder than things in the natural. And our battle is not against flesh and blood. So it feels aimless when you're just saying something, but I believe what's happening in the invisible is, is there's a lot happening. And so when you're this thinking a careless word is actually not that careless. It's pretty, pretty potent. Amen? All right. Who's scared to talk? All right. So, so what's our common problem? Here it is. See, when you are born, you're a child. The only way you can communicate is through crying or complaining. I have a one-year-old, and she can't talk. So how does she get her needs met? She starts screaming. She literally just starts yelling, and that's okay, and it's actually cute at this age, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and I love her, and it's all appropriate, and it's, it's totally fine at one years old. I have an eight-year-old who can completely comprehend and communicate. When she throws herself on the floor like the one-year-old, she doesn't get her needs met. I'm like, tell me what you're doing right now. I'll joke with her. She like does, I mean, she like violently shakes and I'll say, do we need to go to the hospital? Are you okay? She's like, yes, I'm fine. I'm like, well, just, just tell me what's going on. See, it's okay for a one-year-old, an eight-year-old's learning, but as adults, guys, the squeaky wheel should not get the grease. In the kingdom of God, it's the exact opposite. Every parable Jesus gave, the people who were complaining and speaking negativity did not get promoted, did not get more. I'll be honest with you, there's people who we don't do that. I don't lead that way. If you complain a bunch, you don't get more around me and what I do. It's offended a lot of people because that's not the ecosystem of heaven. If you complain, you don't get more of your needs met. So if you've come here to complain today, no one cares. <laughs> Just stop talking. I mean, really, your opinion's really not that important, right? I'm starting to verbal process. I need to pull it back in. <laughs> like thoughts are just spewing out everywhere I'm going. Um, that's right. I'm having self-control right now. But but seriously, um, so so we just we 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 just splurt out stuff sometimes. We try to get our needs met. All right. There's two major things that happen when we do that, and there's one major point I want to make, and then we'll we'll close it out. So. When I'm not getting these two things, my information from God, 
and my affirmation from God. Those two things. If I'm not getting my, uh, if I'm not getting affirmed by God, and I'm not getting my information and my direction from God, what do you do? You start turning to the left and right, and you start looking at other things to do that for you. You're putting a demand on the people around you. They cannot fulfill that. My wife cannot take the spot of what Jesus is supposed to have. And when I turn to her for that, it puts a demand on the relationship. It's not going to work. Same thing with friends. I have a lot of close guy friends. They can't, they can't sufficiently take everything that I need from God. So when I don't get my information and my affirmation from God, I start turning to the right and left. And these two main things happen. The first one is complaining. I talked about complaining for a second. Complaining is broadcasting to everyone around you that you are powerless. Complaining is broadcasting to everyone around you that you are not capable of fixing a problem. Complaining is broadcasting to everyone around you that you don't believe in the cross. And you don't believe in the finished work of Jesus. See, God, when, when he rose from the grave, we became victors, not victims. And victims complain. Victims don't think they can change things. Victorious people do. So what do you do when you're a victim? You just complain. I just want to complain about a problem. I don't want to fix it. And we take our time and energy and we just complain and complain and complain. And honestly, I have no proof for this. This is just my conviction. I think hell is just everyone complaining all the time. <laughs> that is not scriptural. I, that is not doctrine. I'm just telling you. I just think everyone's just complaining about how hot it is and how there's <laughs> no food down here. You know, this is terrible. Now, I, I don't know what hell's like, but I just... It is so not the heart of the Father that the opposite has to be somewhere else. So you just imagine in heaven, no one's complaining. Everyone's just content and happy and at peace and doing what they're supposed to be doing. No one's complaining. Do you understand that what I'm saying? When you're just stating facts as a victim, you are just permeating the air with negativity and you're telling God, I don't think you can fix this problem. I just want to complain about it. Can I get an amen? Okay, the second thing, which is absolutely destructive and toxic for a church, it's anything, but specifically a church, is gossip. Gossip is when you go find someone else, find agreement, pick up your stones, and throw it at the other person. Gossip is the same thing. You are not getting your information and affirmation from God, so you need to go get it from someone else so you can feel good about your situation. Guys, gossip will absolutely cripple a move of God. Absolutely cripple it. it, it is, it's when I have to turn to the side and talk negatively about someone else to get that thing affirmed in me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, oh, that felt good to like someone agree with this person because their behavior is bothering me. Guys, we're, we're literally just throwing stones at that human. And what we're saying together is, hey, we don't really want to protect that person. We want to expose them. Do you know the story of David and Uriah? David is caught in a bad situation. He sends his men out front. He's his number one guy, long, I can't go into the whole story right now. It's just a bad situation. He tells everybody, go out front. And when he get into battle, everyone back away from him. And Uriah was exposed, and he got killed. And gossip is doing that. It's literally just exposing people in the spirit for people to throw stones at them. And when you do that, we're just, we're just annihilating our brother and sister in Christ. And it will cripple a revival, I promise. It will not, we will not have the measure of presence that we want here if we're going to be people who gossip. 
Now listen, I'm not saying you can't go to a friend and say, hey, here's a tough situation I need to talk to you about. How do I handle it? I do that frequently. But you know in your heart when you're getting that need met when you're talking about someone versus I'm looking for a solution. I have leadership conversations a lot about other people and I always guard my heart. I'm not, I'm tr am, I, am I talking about this person to figure out how to serve them well? That's what I'm always trying to figure out. And every once in a while I'll slip that line, God will convict me, I'll go to the next day and I'll call the person and say, hey man, that was inappropriate, I shouldn't have said that. I just, I, I, I did not say that in an uplifting way. I'm sorry, I've honestly told people that I've done that, which is, uh, that creates a whole fun thing. I have teachings online called Brave Communication. You should, you should find those as well. Um, but, but seriously, it's, um, it's really, really important that we don't do that, amen? amen. Okay, final point, and we'll, we'll shift and do some other stuff. Here, here's the main reason why I care about this subject, about aimless and careless words. As I've mentioned, I mention all the time, there are so many, I'm born and raised in Baton Rouge, I want to see revival in Baton Rouge. There's so much to that statement, what revival means different things to different people, and I'm not saying it's not happening in other churches and other places, but there's a flavor of God that I know that he wants for our community. And I'm always paying attention to him thinking, God, is this what you want? Is this what you're doing? I'm, I'm always trying to stay yielded to him to make sure that we're moving at the pace and the content matter that God wants us to be at. A lot of the worship you see here in the prophetic time, a lot of that comes from this is what we feel like God wants. And so that's what we do. There's a story in the life of Jesus that is so sobering to me on, on so many levels. I teach from it all the time. I'm sorry if you've been coming to Cedar House for a while. There's like 10 different revelations in this one story, but I feel like it's so key when talking about aimless words because aimless words can ruin a move of God. Let's read this together. You put it up there for me, Melanie. Can everyone thank Melanie? She's absolutely amazing back there. Um, okay, check this out. Now, Jesus has been going around. There is not a single story example that we have of Jesus not providing a miracle when someone needed it. He is literally not one. He is going around healing people, driving, he's raising the dead, healing the sick, driving out demons, clean, cleansing leopards, he's feeding the poor, the gospel's getting preached to people who never had it preached to him before. 100% accuracy everywhere he went. Every time, every word of knowledge, every, everything was completely perfect. And cities and villages, thousands are coming to know him. The greatest miracle of all is Jesus is able to communicate to 5,000 people without a microphone. Get it? That was kind of a joke. Um, <laughs> Anyway, he's doing all this stuff, and it's just amazing. And he goes back to his hometown, and, and we'll just, just see what happens here when he goes back to his hometown. So, and when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in the synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? All right, they're floored. They're like, oh my gosh, like he's speaking with so much revelation. His healing anointing is literally perfect. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is, is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James, Joseph, and Simon? No, don't go back one more. I want you to see this. Go back one more. Yeah. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary? And not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon? Okay, all they're doing, they see what's happening. And then they just start stating facts. They just start filling the atmosphere with aimless words that are technically true, but they're not positive. Okay, go to the next one. As the son of Judas, is it, are not all of his sisters with us? 
where then did this man get all these things? That's what victims do, by the way. When someone else has something you don't want, they just think they didn't work for it. Like, where do you get all these things? Um, and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Okay. Catch this scenario. Jesus, revival everywhere he's going. He goes back home. He wants to do the same thing. He's got the same goal everywhere he went. He goes back home, and the crowd just starts stating facts. Isn't this Mary's son? Wait a second. I know his sisters, and this aimless, careless communication, they took offense at him, and Jesus could only do certain works there because of their lack of faith. They stopped Jesus in the flesh from having a revival because of aimless words. Aimless words eventually led to offense, and it stopped that level of move of God. That means that we have the power to start and stop the anointing and the grace and the presence of God. That is frightening. There are times where God can override it and do whatever he wants. Praise God. I think it's Proverbs 15. The earth is the Lord's. He can do whatever he wants. Always have that in your back pocket theologically. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, yeah, he did that. That's cool. Um, but but I, for a sustained move of God, that's, that's not how it works. For a healthy community and a sustained move of God, we cannot be throwing around careless words. I'm just being honest. It's like you could think when someone has an anointing or someone has a gifting and you just throw it around like, ah, that's just, that's just land and he's just, that's just how he communicates. Uh, that's just that's just whoever. That's just Noah. He just worships that way. W whatever the thing is that God has graced someone with, and we just start using contempt and just language around it like that, it can cripple it. See, if you honor a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. When you stop honoring someone for what they have, it limits the reward. And so when God's in the room, what we want to do is honor what God has, honor Jesus, and have revival. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Revival is not a one-night prayer meeting. I want, I want to make... I'm all about the 24-7 prayer for like 25 straight weeks. Like, I, I'm all about that stuff. I'm actually not because I have four kids and a job. Um, now, I'm all about that pursuit of hunger and being poor in spirit. And, and that will cause a flame. But I don't... It's not a seasonal thing. I don't want to burn for a season. I, I'm... I am in Baton Rouge for this reason, and I don't want 2021 to just be like a flame and it's fun. I want the next 60 years and what we pass to our kids to be the flame. And that comes through honoring what God's doing in the room, protecting it, and not getting idle and content with the people around us. Okay, this felt really good up here. I hope y'all felt good today because this was fantastic. Um, the number one way to prevent negative things coming out of your mouth is being thankful. You cannot have negativity out of your mouth and being thankful all the time. Wake up with a thankful heart. Anytime I want to complain, anytime I want to gossip, anytime I want to just talk about how things are not supposed to be, you got to till your heart to be thankful. Check out this verse in 1 Thessalonians. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know what the will of God is in your life? I, I actually think he's, this is 100% true. The will of God for your life is to find a way to give thanks in all circumstances. That is, from that place he can build, 
if you are a whiner or a complainer, someone who's not thankful, not grateful, it's tough for them to build something when your foundation's not strong. You can't build something on you. But if you tell your heart to be thankful, I, I'm, I'm talking, this is what I challenge you with on being thankful. I'm talking about when something negative happens, even if I know God didn't do it, I'm thankful that I'm in a situation that I can bring solutions to. Like, it sounds crazy. I've gotten to this point. Something bad happens. I'm like, God, thank you for letting that happen around me so I can be someone who supports. Like, that. Like, anything. Like, I want to complain about the weather so much. I cannot stand this humidity. And literally every day I'm thinking, it's good for my skin, which Miles told me it's not. But for some reason I say that it is. It's tropical weather. Some, this is good for something. No, but it, it, in all honesty, like whatever the little bitty frustrations are in your heart, find thankfulness in something. It's sunnier here more than other places. Like if it's all about perspective, find something and be thankful for it. One of the ACs is broken in here. That's why I'm sweating up here. Um, we need to pray for that. Actually, I'll pray for that at the end. There's two ACs working in here. One's broken. It has been a fun situation uh, with our landlord. Uh, to say the least. And uh, my heart just wants to complain. I did the least right. It's not my fault you're on vacation. I, I, da, 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 like I have all this stuff and I'm just like, I can't do, da, da, I just have all this stuff. I'm like, man, I'm just thankful we got one service today. I'm, I'm thankful we got one AC today. Thankful we got people who wanted to show up early and get the vents going, right? Does that mean, like, ev I could complain about everything all the time. Everything is complainable. But God wants to build on people who have thankful hearts. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray, and then Stacy's going to come up. God, we love you so much. Thanks for empowering us with a tongue. And uh, God, thank you that we get to eat from the fruit from it. Yeah, thank you that uh, you believe in us, that you give us the ability to manage it, and that you don't take our will from us. So God, we just want to devote our language, our tongue, and our mouths to you, that we would be people who edify people who prophesy and edify over each other and uplift and carry each other's burdens and just constant adoration for you and others as we want to see revival. God, that is why we're here. We want to see revival. We want to see a sustained move of God for a long period of time. So we just rededicate our mouths to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you welcome Stacy up? sermon of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.